This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. Um, today we're talking about how to master free will. So when you're mastering free will, there's, there's four, five steps. The first is uh, to be constantly choosing. Everyone say the word constant. Constant. Second is to reevaluate your life. Want to say the word reevaluation? Reevaluation. And the third is to realize you're on a battleground between the soul and the body. Everyone say the word battleground. Battleground. And then number four is the soul. The soul. Everyone say the word soul. Soul. Number five is God. Say the word God. God. Okay. Now um, the last the last two are. Um, our soul and God, um, four and f- three and four are very related. You're you're always in a battle between the soul and the body, and the um, and your job though. How are we doing seat wise? We got any more seats? Uh, there's a seat right there. So your job is to go towards the soul. How do you go towards the soul? The way you go towards the soul is is there's different ways to go towards the soul, but the main thing is to be a good negotiator with your body. Negotiate with the body. The body has its desires. As long as you give your body the kosher, kosher outlet for its desires, it'll open itself up to, to the soul. So, um, but anyway, you just incentivize the body for the most part to, to get to the soul parts of things. So it's not, it's not a big subject, but the main thing is that if you realize you're in a battle between the soul and the body, you can throw the body a bone meaning throw the dog a bone, and then get to your spiritual life and be connected to soul. Think of an example. I mean, I have lots of examples because that's generally how I work. Um, like, would you call surfing a bone? Uh, surfing is a bone for me sometimes. We're paddling out Thursday, God willing. Waves are supposed to be, waves are going to be huge this week. You felt the winds out there? Yeah, so that's that's like stirring up some big waves, and um, tomorrow it's going to be kind of like a bathtub, and then uh, Wednesday also, but Thursday it's supposed to go get back to itself. We should have some good waves. Everyone's welcome to join me. I have a nine-seater van. Even if you don't surf, you can at least get a ride to the beach and back to Jerusalem for a couple hours. And uh, we could also potentially hit the beer bazaar on the way back. Nothing like beer for breakfast. You know, the, um, anyway, actually, that was the first thing I had this morning. It wasn't beer. I wasn't going for beer. I was going for a hot drink in the, in the shuk with, uh, I cleanse on Sundays, but I passed a brewery where some of my old students work, and they were just showing me a particular variety that they had brewed up over there. So I think I drank about that much. Okay. Now, the, um, Anyway, but the whole point is the soul. Why? Because every decision you make for the body, in the end, is going to be buried with you, so to speak. Meaning it's not going to go anywhere. But every decision you make for the soul, that's going to be eternal. So you want to go for the soul. You want to go for the, the stuff that's timeless. you got a body. Your body's got desires. You want to throw the dog a bone. Now, obviously, if you're single, so you're a little bit stuck on throwing the dog a bone when it comes to a certain subject. And so... Your job is to get married as quickly as possible. 
Okay, you want to get married quickly. So those of you who thought you'd wait till you were like 23 or something, you want to you want to blow that off and uh, and get married earlier than that. And the way you do it, the quick way to get married, besides going online and watching my class, how to find your soulmate, which really bumps it up to like six to eight months before you get engaged. So it's good to watch that one. But uh, the way you get married early, because do you want to get married before you're ready? Anyone want to get married before they're ready? No. Nobody wants to get married before they're ready. Well, guess what's the best way to get ready? Best, no, the best way to get married is set a deadline. Human beings are amazing with deadlines. You may have noticed this with your exams. Very few people study until they've got a deadline. Okay? Deadlines are really good for human, human beings. We do much better with deadlines. So those of you who are, have a nebulous date of when you'd start dating, like real dating to marry, those of you who have a nebulous date, well, expect getting married to be pretty nebulous too because um, that's going to just push itself off because you're never going to get ready. Why would anyone ever get ready to get married? But if you, if you settle on a real date that you're going to start dating, it, it just something happens internally. You unconsciously. I mean, how do you think girls got married? You know, girls got married for almost all of human history between 12 and 14. Well, how's that possible? How's it possible to do that? Well, the answer is if you've been to enough weddings of 13-year-old girls and you're a little girl at the wedding... You know, just, you know, have you ever seen little girls at weddings staring at the chuppah? They're just like, I mean, it's just, they're like stunned. And they just, all they can think about is them being under that chuppah someday. But if the girl's 13, that means by the time you're 12, anything you had to do while you were a little girl, you did. Because by the time you're 12, you're already like focused on that. And your whole entire being is going to prepare itself. Now, I'm not telling 13-year-olds get married here, obviously. But I'm telling you, whatever the date is that you see yourself getting married is going to be when you'll get ready for. But if you don't have a date, if you're just letting it be nebulous, so you'll never get ready. You'll never be ready. So all you got to do is set the date that you're going to start dating for marriage. Dating for marriage. And you'll see that the uh, that it will come much quicker because your development will come much quicker. The most I ever saw a guy grow in yeshiva was a 20-year-old guy, Sam Horowitz. Sam Horowitz was, uh, he got, he was too young to get married and he wasn't ready. He also didn't know enough Torah. He was Baal Shuva. And he, uh, what happened was he was 20 years old. He got, he, he already knew which girl he wanted to marry. So he, um, they set a year engagement because they figured it would take him about a year to learn enough to be able to get married. By the way, 20-year-old boys need three years to learn to get married. But he was going for the... Uh, there's a spot right here if you want to grab it. I'm passing through. I wanted to say, hey, because i got a tag lead group. How'd you get, over, how'd you get back here? You do what you got to do to come back to Israel. You're amazing. So, I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> oh, I'm, sorry. I'm so sorry, everybody. I couldn't resist the... <laughs> Chance to say hello and give it a hand. Clap for love, everybody. Um, you might as well say hi to my live feed. Okay. Right here. Hi, live feed. I've never say hi to all been on a live feed on Facebook. Hello, <laughs> world, I Introduce guess. Introduce yourself. I'm Brian Chernoff. I'm an Asia alumni. Yeah. Years ago. And now I live in Las Vegas with uh, Rabbi Wine at his Young Israel Congregation. Also one of the original... Um, um, Ace students with Reb Noah 
And uh, this is an amazing place. So if those of you, for those of you who don't already know it, and for those of you who've never been here, come check it out. So, nice. Yeah. Amazing to see you. All right. Thank you. You guys are in such an amazing place. So keep doing what you're doing and keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Tov, world. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> that was amazing. I've been I've been doing this now for twenty seven years, so so it's like just get these guys coming in. We 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 all the stuff you're gonna do this year. I don't know what you guys are up to this year. All the stuff you're gonna do this year is gonna get totally like anything. If you notice in your life, like it just kind of enters the blender of things that happened and you did. You know, it just kind of blends in, and you grow kind of from it. But what I have noticed that people walk into this building, because you notice we don't do small talk here at all. It's never small talk. It's always like direct instructions to live a great life, no matter who's teaching. It's always very direct. It's never fluffy. And it's always like exactly the thing itself. Like we're not talking around subjects. We're not being politically correct about things. We're just going to the jugular. And, and you're always being taught by people who are living what they're talking. You understand? There's no one speaks here who doesn't live it. And and also, none of us, we've all done enough work on ourselves that we're not here to get something from you. A lot of teachers are getting attention when they teach. Meaning the reason they even became teachers was there was something missing in their own hearts from their own upbringing or whatever. And somehow having all the eyes on them helps them in their lives. So are they giving or taking? Taking. So they, all the rabbis here, we've done a ton of big-time work. We've all cried our eyes out through all kinds of our, our own work on ourselves and developed ourselves to be givers. And, and, but here's the thing, that that blender of life and all its memories and all the experiences, I have noticed, I can tell you this, that close to three decades here, that the stuff that people get here, you can literally look back decades later like this guy. You can look back two decades later, 20 years later, and literally point to when you were in Asia Torah. You can point to when you were in Asia Torah how the, your trajectory got set up. It's weird. It's weird because you do a lot of stuff in a year. But it's so many people can all point back 20 years later that the information that they got while they were in this building set up a trajectory that you can trace all the way back to this room, to right here. So it's not to be taken lightly. I, I feel, I really feel in here, I feel a... Um, uh, I want to use the word pachad, but it's not pachad. It's a, a there's like a heaviness to it because because this is your trajectory for your life, and and because the rabbis don't mince words, it really is the trajectory, and it's and it's just so great, so great. And the other amazing thing is you'll notice, yeah, did that guy look like a black hat Haredi guy from age days of old? Not at all. He's just doing his thing because none of us talk about that. We don't care. We don't care what you're going to do with it. Because we know that if you get the principles set up deep in your heart and you run with it, you're going you're gonna to have, you're going to be deeply impacted and, and it's going to deeply affect your life. <coughs> and it doesn't matter where you wind up in the Jewish spectrum of things. That's up to you. <laughs> well, it's more up to who you marry, I guess. But the, um, that's, that's, that's your own prerogative. We're not discussing that. that everyone can l- wind up where they wind up. That's great. But take the principles and apply them. Uh, what was I just talking about? I was talking about getting married younger. Oh, Sam. So Sam, 
made a one-year engagement, which is a little rare, but he was a little young to get married. She was ready. And you know what he did? He opened up our study hall, our basement. He opened it every morning and he closed it every night, meaning he barely slept that year. And what he did in one year, we, none of us boys were able to do in three years. And the reason why he was able to do that was he had a deadline because he was going to be under a chuppah with a girl promising her that they're going to be making Shabbos for the rest of eternity. And not every man can promise that in a year. But if he was engaged, he could because that's the kind of growth he'd get in a year. He was able to drop the, the, the timeline by two-thirds just by having that date, date on him. So everybody in this room, I'm telling you right now, Choose a year or choose a date this year. They're going to start dating and watch your growth happen. You'll notice you're just going to automatically kind of lop off stupid stuff you do, lop off certain things you'd wear, lop off things you'd say, lop off places you'd visit. Like you'll see, it'll, it's all just going to shed. It's all going to shed. Your language will shed. Your, your whole way of being will shed as long as you know you're getting married meaning you're going to date to, for marriage from a certain date. And by the way, I don't care what that date is. Make, make it five years from now. It doesn't matter, but make a date and hold to, hold to it. And you'll see the growth happen. And that was only one example. That was, that was with marriage. You, you can do that for a whole bunch of different things in life. And I made a date for myself of financial independence by next January 1st. So... So I'm, but I'm already like hitting the ground running because I realize financial independence, I got to start now. I'm not going to be able to start. I'm not going to be able to cram that one. December is not going to be the date. And so, but when I'm financially, I'm the best person in the world to be financially independent because I don't spend any money, which means I'm going to spend it on other people like you or whomever, you know, and people have projects, I'll fund it. Like I'm crazy. I'm crazy about people and I don't even have to know them well. In fact, some of the most random people in the world, I'll just totally get them started. And so I'm, I'm the perfect guy to have that wealth. And, um, and, the, uh, and in all of you, too, I, I'm always talking wealth, but I've always not gone for it myself. Not that I'm going for wealth, but, but I've opened myself up to that possibility in my life. And you know, you know why I'm doing this? Also, it's a really funny thing, is that I was raised in a wealthy home, and what happened was last year I lived in California. My father's business went bankrupt. And how I became who I became was I fully and totally rejected not only his wealth, I rejected capitalism in general, the whole American capitalistic system. I rejected that, but like intense rejection. Like I was like, I was like a Marxist. I was like redistribution of wealth. You know, I truly would have been very happy with communism. I mean, uh, I would have taken socialism as like a booby prize to communism. And uh, I was like, so hardcore rejecting that lifestyle and, and all, the, all the evils I got to see firsthand where people's housekeepers were happier than their, than their uh, what do you call them, owners? Employers. Employers. And uh, <laughs> I was kidding about the owners. One. But the, um, you know, your housekeepers aren't supposed to be happier than you. But here's the funny thing. And here's the, you want to hear an amazing insight? Raise your hand if any of you did the full rejection of the capitalist system. Yeah, I could see you nodding. Okay, so for you, you want to hear my insight of the day? This is the insight of the day. Because this is what I'm saying. Because I created a date, I got this insight. You hear that? 
I mean, I created the date for next January 1st, 2020. The insight hit me already on the 6th because there's a date. And so the insight hit me. You know what? You want to know what the insight is? Is that that whole bluff of capitalism and all that stuff, there's a whole other bluff called anti-capitalism. Meaning, meaning just because, just because senselessly, senselessly and uh, selfishly becoming rich on the, on the, on the, on the, on the account of greater society is wrong. But repudiating, repudiating, having your own resources just means you're caught up in just the opposite bluff. Meaning that bluff of like your money's made you, the bluff of being anti-wealth is also a stupid bluff and there's no reason your wife, what's your name? Amran. Amran? Ryan. Ryan. Ryan, there's no reason your wife 10 years from now, yeah, she'll be married to this idealistic guy, but she should also have some food in the fridge and she should be able to buy a new outfit. You understand? You get what I'm saying? But it could easily be not that case. If you play big, people who play big with the countercultural scene the way I did can easily wind up living thriftily for no reason other than that they're waving some flag. That's that a flag about something that's not even true. Meaning, meaning if you're if you think if you think like free reign capitalism like that is not true, which I believe is not true. If you think free reign capitalism is not true, and then you're going to wave a banner about that, well then you're you're not true either. Because why your reaction is something not true? Well, something not true, something false. If your reaction is something false, what's that make you? A reaction to something false. Doesn't make you real. It just makes you excellent at falsehood. You're the you're the expert on falsehood. But what's true? And the answer, what's true is, is that you have your own skills that that are worth something in the market. You got something worth something in the marketplace, and and the, God set up a world that people are willing to. It's called the law of economy. People are willing to part with a lesser value to get a greater value. People are willing to part with less. When you buy a Coke, which I suggest you don't, but if you do, you spend five shekels. You're making, a, you're making a big announcement on your five shekels that it's worth more or less than the Coke. By letting it go, what do you, what's your announcement? It's worth less. And when he hands you that Coke, you're making an announcement about the Coke. What are you saying? It's worth more. The guy behind the counter says, I'm glad you feel this way. Because that Coke's worth a lot less than that five shekel. And, but everybody's happy, and that's the way the market works, is everybody's happy because people are willing to let go of something to get a greater good. And this is the, when God cursed man for having let woman dominate him. And his curse was he would have to go out and earn the bread. He was going to have to go earn his bread. Because he wasn't being a man. He listened to her and blew it by eating the fruit. And so he had to go out and earn his bread. He has to go out there and become a man. A man who's worth something financially, meaning obviously we're worth something because God made us worth something. But he has to be someone, he has to go out there and produce some kind of something that people are willing to pay him to move his bag of bones around in something he's good at, whether it's naturally or he learned a skill. And he's got to go out there, and it's scary as hell to go do that. 
Most men would rather sleep in his parents' extra bedroom till they're 35. Most men are scared to death of this. But that was, that's the curse of man. Man has to go out there and move around until he gets paid. And if you're not getting paid, that means you didn't find your spot yet. Stop complaining and don't, don't lick your wounds too long because you're going to wind up having to forfeit your rent and give up the lease of your car and everything. If people aren't paying you for what you're doing, you've, you went the wrong way there. Because the feedback that you make a difference as a man is that someone's going to pay you for that. Because you're going to offer some greater good. And someone's going to pay money. Their, their money is the lesser good than the good that you offer. You get that? Someone's going to offer you money because their money is the lesser good of the greater good you can, you can, the good you can create. But someone who wants to wave a banner against capitalism is just going to wind up with whatever money lands on his doorpost. And that's going to come from, you know, you can play rabbi and do that game, you know, if you want to, if you want to. There's nothing wrong with it, by the way. There's nothing wrong with it because that's a greater good and there's people who feel that way and want to know there's got to be rabbis in the world, which means we've got to give towards synagogues and give towards rabbis and give towards yeshivas. We've got to give. That's, our money's the lesser good than the spiritual good, overall good of Kalal Yisrael. So we do have to, we do have to pay rabbis to do their thing. But <laughs> I'm going to share you the little Kabbalistic secret. Jacob, Yaakov, represents Torah. And when Asaph... Wrestled, when the, the angel of Asaph wrestled with Jacob, where did he nail him? In the leg. He nailed him in the leg. And Jacob came out limping. And Jacob coming out limping is, it's the limp of Torah scholars throughout history that, that people are going to have an extra Yetzirah not to support them. You'll notice like Someone will come to you about a widow getting widow marrying off her kids, or or an orphan getting married, and you're just you'll open up your wallet. But when it comes to when it comes to like the kolel, or you know, the, when it comes to Torah study, you just like it's like it takes everything you've got to write a generous check for Torah study. We're all we've all because what are legs? Legs support. What is Jacob's Torah? What are Jacob's legs? Jacob's legs are the support of Torah. And it's so hard to support Torah. It's very hard to support Torah. So it was set up through history. And I guess the reward's that much more if you do support Torah. So, so think twice when you're, when you're getting stingy around Torah support. Think twice, because maybe there's something bigger there, because... Because Torah study is what's going to save our nation, you know that that there's and Torah leadership is uh, is you know essential, especially in our generation. We're going to need some serious Torah leadership. And when I say Torah leadership, I don't just mean kolels. I'm talking about find a Torah. That's the thing I'm doing right now is creating a club. It's my it's my club. And what we're going to do is we're just going to get this tour out there so big time right now. And it's and again, even though even though it's creating this club for for the for the fi- for financial well-being, 
so that so that I'm totally fiscal. But it's not just that. It's it's that I can hire and get social media going and and get this uh, get this thing cranked out there, so that we can save Claudiusrel. Because that's all I really care about. We got to save our people. And uh, and so that's anyway. That, I said a lot. I said a lot in a long time. I'm teaching discovery upstairs now, and I still didn't do this. <laughs> I refused to finish this class. This is the second time. That third time, because I did the earlier class on internet and building <coughs> muscles. Um, let me wrap this one up, and I'll title it later. Um, can you send me a WhatsApp to title my classes right now? Before you, your phone's on here. Anyone got me on WhatsApp here? None of you have my WhatsApp. Uh, can you send me a WhatsApp to title my classes today? Thank you. And uh, sometimes I forget, because I usually put the titles at first, so I'm not habituated on that. Um, Yeah, so I, I'm just, uh, this, I'm feeling a little awkward right now because I was very, very authentic with you guys and honest about my own little bluffs and games I've been playing in my life that are no longer fun. They're not funny games. And uh, the, I think what's happened is the onus of responsibility to make a difference for the world has outweighed my, my silly story about money. You understand? Like, that, that's crazy. And everywhere I go, I get more and more people saying, I'm watching every day, I'm watching every day, I'm watching every day. So what we're going to do is, if these people care, if you care, and any of you care, if you care about this enough, so so what we're going to do is, just no one should push themselves, just whatever's comfortable. Is, I'm setting it up, uh, my meeting with the web designers tomorrow. We're going to have a full, on rabbiyomtov.com, we're going to have a full, we're going to have a, a little button to click where you can back this and then we can hire from, now we can hire proper people to get, get everything cranking out there properly. Uh, my goal is to be, uh, you know, hitting Joe Rogan and the whole talk show place because I'm tired of Jordan Peterson blowing the, I'm tired of hearing Jordan Peterson blow theology. With He's got such a gigantic, incredible reach, but blows the theology. Ben Shapiro, millions of people watching and he blows the theology part every time. And the, uh, you know, no offense to him, but he's, it's not exactly been his focus. It has been my focus, though. I've been studying for, you know, uh, many, 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 many years with, underneath incredible rabbis. So I'm like, I've got the same language as them, but I haven't been out there beating the circuit. I've been actually studying and developing myself under great rabbis and uh, being able to articulate the same stuff only with accuracy when it comes to theology and, and stuff like that. And, so we we got to get this out there. We got to make this happen. So, so we're going to be doing it soon. It'll be on rabbiyomtov.com. It should be even this week. That you can already click on it and just whatever's comfortable. I think we'll make a club. And also, by the way, you think I'm not going to do good for whoever's in the club? Whoever's in that club, man, we're going to be. I don't know what we're going to make Shabbos. We're going to we're going to all get together. We're going to like save the world. We're going to be a team. And not only that, develop the resources. And I'm thinking of even having a. A lottery thing where everyone adds a little more. I don't know how to do this, but like everyone adds like five bucks a month. Let's say a guy's giving 10, but instead he gives 15. And we get like, let's say there's, how much is 30, how much is 5,000 people times $5? How much is that? What is that? 
No, 25, 5,000 people giving $5. How much is that? 25,000. So my idea was we'd give away $25,000 a month for anyone who wants to start something. Meaning any man or woman who feels like they've got a project that's going to help Claudia Stone in some way, that will will have that five grand coming in. I don't know. I've got ideas, lots of really good ideas, and then we're gonna we're gonna make it happen. I want to create employment also for lots of people in the world, and uh, a million young men who want to make a good living. And I feel like we can make that part of this, and do do a lot of good for the world. Shalom, everyone. Have a good one. Shalom. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.